name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Happy birthday, Phyllis. Welcome home. Beautiful. So the epistle uh, today, be united. Um, be of one mind, the same judgment. The gospel, five loaves and two fish. Feeding 10,000 people, probably more, with 12 baskets left over. How did this happen? How does this happen? By the power of God. It's just such a beautiful picture of the power of God to bring a group of people to one mind, to one judgment, to take five loaves and two fish and feed 10,000 people with much left over. Beautiful. So we see this kind of coupled with the Feast of the Transfiguration. Um, and in the Transfiguration, God shows us this light, this uncreated light, the energy of God, the power of God, which then we understand then is this is how all this happens. This is how five loaves and two fish are multiplied. This is how we lead, we live this holy life, this life of oneness, unity, same mind, same judgment. This is how we live. With this light, with this transfigured light, if we, and it's given to us at holy baptism. We are united to Christ through this holy light. And in that light, we can manifest the glory of God. Maybe not five loaves and two fish into 10,000 people, but we can do, we can be ordinary things, ordinary people that do extraordinary things with this light. So when I was driving up to this, uh, this day to San Inez to my favorite optometrist, he's my only optometrist, but he's also my favorite one, I was thinking of the transfigured light and my I was filled like if you could live in this light, how beautiful it would be just to kind of allow that light to transform things, that light to, to change your heart, to allow kindness to flow from you, to allow love to come from you, to allow that light to be the center point of your life, that Christ in me, that light emanating. And I had a beautiful appointment with my favorite optometrist, and uh, then coming down the hill, <laughs> this is really very typical, I started thinking of somebody that did me wrong. <laughs> and for about four or five minutes down that hill, I had several conversations. I had many evil thoughts, and the light disappeared. By the time I got down to the bottom hill, I did repent. I don't know if the light came back or not, but I was sorry for, for five minutes of howling internally. <laughs> wow. So, I was thinking. We either stoke the light, right? We either stoke it and allow that light to grow, or we put it out. We do those two things, and we can stoke it and allow it to grow, or we can put it out. 
And we have that, that's our freedom right there. To stoke the light, allow that light to grow in us, or to put that light out. So I'm going to take a couple of things uh, to look at a couple of con uh, contrasts here. So this remembrance of wrongs that I so wonderfully participated in coming down the hill, it does quench the light. It does put the light out. And if we get rid of them quickly, wonderful. But there's sometimes in our lives where those remembrance of wrongs are very powerful. And they stay in us. And we need to understand it's so important to get rid of them. Here's what St. John the Latter says about the remembrance of wrongs. The remembrance of wrongs, it's a consummation of anger. It's born out of anger. It's the keeper of sins. The hatred of righteousness. The ruin of virtue. You ever feel that when you're holding on to something nasty like that? It ruins you. It's a ruining. Poison of the soul. Worm of the mind. It's pretty bad. <laughs> Shame of prayer. You can't pray when you're angry that way. It just doesn't happen. Cessation of supplication. Estrangement of love. A nail stuck in the soul. Unsleeping, transgression, and hourly malice. This is what remembrance of wrongs does to us. It's a nasty thing. And God says you need to get rid of it. You should not carry it. If you're carrying it, you need to fight like crazy to get over it. And how do you get over it? Forgiveness. That is such an incredible Christian virtue. It's what the Christian church is about. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. On the cross, his own creation, killing him. Forgive them, Lord. This is the word of Christ to us. Forgiveness. 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 No matter what, it doesn't matter if the person comes to you and doesn't come to you, it doesn't matter if the person is alive or departed, it means that you need to fight to be forgiving. And that is our life. We even make it a condition of God forgiving us. Forgive us our trespasses as... Whoa! We're telling God to forgive us conditionally. So forgiveness, powerful, important. So, let me read this from Father Alexander Schmemann about forgiveness. It's very beautiful. It says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. The words of our Lord himself. The triumph of sin and the main sign of its rule over the world is division, opposition, separation, and hatred. Therefore, the first breakthrough of this fortress of sin is forgiveness. The return to unity, solidarity, and love. 
To forgive is to put between me and my enemy the radiant forgiveness of God himself. Lord, forgive them. Forgive them. We need to beg God for his power to allow us to do what he did. To forgive is to reject the, human, the dead ends of human relations. We need to reject the fact that we cannot forgive somebody. And refer this to Christ. Forgiveness is truly a breakthrough of the kingdom of God into a fallen world. You, know what, you want to bring God into the world? Be a forgiving person. That's how God comes into the world, through your forgiveness. Your forgiveness brings God into the world, into a relationship, into a community, into a workplace, into a family. Forgiveness is important. So um, another contrast here, I think, we can stoke the fire with forgiveness or we can put it out with remembering wrong. Now, we are called, beloved, as you know, to be in the world, but not of the world. But the world has a very strong pull. So I want to read something from you um, that was read at, as a homily at our uh, beautiful convention in Grand Rapids by Father Noah Buscelli. It's an excerpt from his uh, homily. And make no mistake, beloved, we're in a war. The world is out to destroy Christianity. That is happening. It's happening in our state houses. It's happening in our government. It's happening all over the place. We are at war. And so he starts. We are warriors. Our foes are fierce, the battle lines are drawn, the casualties pile high. America's great generation beat the communists on foreign soil. We won the Cold War, but the time bomb of atheist Marxism was struck into our society through the academy and exploded in the sexual revolution, undermining traditional church, family, and even humanity. Marriage is mocked by divorce and debauchery. Babies are avoided and aborted. We bring anti-Christian media into our homes to mesmerize and catechize us. Perhaps we are the salt losing its saltiness. Perhaps we are the city hiding on a hill. Perhaps we are forgetting our call as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Perhaps we have only half renounced the world to begin with and are torn between our two masters. Perhaps we are persuaded by the propaganda of our opponent, suggesting we replace dogma and holiness with accommodation and compromise. Perhaps we need to listen to Elder Apaisios, who was give us the answer to anxiety by reframing the problem. Not drugs, not alcohol, not tranquilizers, not psychiatric treatment, yoga, New Age, or Eastern meditation. The problem is, is we have lost God as the center of our life. Is God the center? 
Is God the center? Is that what you wake up with? Is that what you go to bed with? Is that how you live your day? Because, beloved, it's a war out there. And if he's not your center, something else is going to become the center. You have to fight to keep him in the middle of your heart, in the middle of your mind. It's a bloody battle. And we need to understand how important it is to keep us on that track. Is God the center of my life? Maybe he moves out a little bit once in a while, moves left and right, keep him in the center. If he moves left, move him back to the middle. If he moves right, move him back to the middle. Very important to understand how powerful and important this is for us. So, what's the alternative to allow the church to become the place where he's, you center yourself? Come here. Center yourself. I was years ago, I remember I've told this story before. I came in to practice a homily before uh, during the middle of the week, and Father Richard started the church. My spiritual father was sitting all by himself in the front row. I said, What are you doing here? He said, This is the only place where it makes sense. When you come in, this calms you. This brings you to a place where God is with us. Let me read this to you from St. John of Kronstadt. Considering our bodily nature, the Lord binds his presence himself to some visible and tangible signs. For instance, in the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, he himself wholly takes up his abode in the bread and the wine, which are his body and blood. In that of penitence, he acts in the visible person of the priest, God forgives you. That is a powerful thing when the soul goes over your head and you hear the words, God forgives you. In chrism and holy chrism, in baptism in the water, in the holy orders through the bishop, in matrimony through the priest and the crowns, he himself crowns the bride and bridegroom, in the sacrament of holy healing, oil. He unites his presence in the church to the image, to the cross, to the sign of the cross, to his name, to the holy water, to the blessed bread, to wheat and wine. God is with us. That's what the church says when you walk in. God is here. The saints are here. The angels are here. God is with us. This needs to be the center pin of everything. We need, to, we need to take this out with us. We need to take that reality out. We just don't get it here and then leave it. Let us depart in peace. Let us go with what we've been given. Important, beloved, to understand that the church, the church wins. The church defeats the world. The church is eternal. The world is temporal. Eternity beats Temporality. It, defe it defeats it. God's daring hope to save is far greater than the enemy's desire is to destroy. One more thing, and then I'll be done. <laughs> 
So, our bodily appetites, they can take us away from the light in us easily. The appetites of our belly, the appetites of our eyes, the appetites of our minds, the appetites of our ears, the appetites of our hands, the appetites of our feet, all these things can take us away from the Lord and put out the light. And you know this. You know, you sit down and eat like two helpings, two bowls of ice cream, and then you try to pray. Doesn't work. Like, whoa. Father Bishop, Bishop Metropolitan Joseph uses the example of when you fast, you fly like an eagle. Light. And when you eat too much, it's like a little chicken that tries to fly. His wings are little and his belly is big. Do you want to be a chicken or an eagle? So we don't fill our belly up. We don't fill our eyes up with things we should not be looking at. That take away the light. Listening to things we shouldn't be listening to that takes away the light. So what should our appetite be for? Holy communion. For you, for your children especially too, I want to read what Holy Communion does. And for me, if the world knew this, the doors would be busted down every Sunday. You, this is the fountain of youth. This is it. Just break down the doors to come in to, to receive this. What to receive at Holy Communion from the prayers of the saints? Healing, purification, enlightenment, protection and salvation of soul and body. The expulsion of every evil imagination and wicked work of the devil. You want to expel that stuff from you? The body and blood of Christ. May they move me to boldness toward you and love, to amend and keep firm my life. The increase of virtue, the keeping of thy commandments, the communion of the Holy Spirit, provision for eternal life and a good defense at the fearful judgment seat, and another prayer, Sanctification, enlightenment, strengthen, strengthening of my wretched soul and body. You need strength to live the Christian life, to keep the light? Holy Communion. The relief from the, the, relief from the burden of my many transgressions. We all come, beloved, to the chalice unworthily. All of us. We pray we're prepared as best we can, but we all come unworthily. And God, in that very moment, relieves us from the burden of our transgressions. Pre pre preservation against every demonic activity, the trampling down and averting of my careless and evil habits. <laughs> How many have got careless and evil habits? How many are lying? Get them up there. 
My gosh. Communion. Obedience to thy commandments, growth in thy divine grace. For you, beloved, your children, they need it every Sunday. And more if you can do it. You should never miss. We always have, we always have other things to do. But listen to what it is. Are those other things more important than that? Fight, fight, fight to do that. The world says there's other more important things. The world says that that isn't that important. It is that important. Beloved, we are warriors. And we have a war to fight. And we need that medicine of immortality to fight it well. So may we stoke the fire with forgiveness. May we stoke the fire with the church becoming the center pin of my life. May we stoke that fire of light of God in us with Holy Communion. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.